0: Let's take our copy of the Word of God and go to the little book of Jude again. Probably when we started this book, we wouldn't, wouldn't have guessed we'd been in it so long. But there's so much God is saying through this little book. Trust, we're hearing all He wants us to hear. Let's just start from verse 1 tonight. And read through, we've just got one little phrase in verse 21 again, but let's continue to get the context of these things. The Bible says in the little book of Jude, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God, the father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you. And peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, Also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beast, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit. "...twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed." And of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. And their mouths speak of great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We're looking at all of these things that God at the end of the book of Jude tells us that we have to do. God will not do them for us. Though we live in such a terrible apostate generation, we as God's people have the instructions. We're told in verse 17 that we've got to remember certain things and keep, it, keep those words, God's words in our minds, not the words of the Deceiver, not the words of the devil, not the words of the generation, but the words that have already been spoken of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to remember those words. We have to do that. In verse number 20, he tells us that we're to be building up ourselves. We've already preached on these things. We have to build up ourselves on our most holy faith. No one will do that for us. God will not do that for us. We have to build up our Christian life, our spiritual life. We are the Christians that we want to become, that we allow ourselves to become by the work we put. There is no work in salvation, but there is great work in becoming the Christian God wants us to become. So we have to do that hard work of building up ourselves on our most holy faith. We talked about verse 20, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's something we have to do. Nobody will make you pray. God will not make you pray. God will not make you pray a real prayer. Not just a model prayer or some words, but a prayer in the Holy Ghost. We talked about that in detail. Verse 21, last time we were together in this passage, we we saw the instruction the Lord gave us about keeping ourselves in the love of God. I don't know, maybe that message needs to be preached a hundred times a year, I don't know. But all of the things that bear down upon our lives, all the temptations that we face, all the the sins that invade our lives, we have to keep ourselves in the love of God. We have to stay in love with Jesus Christ or there is just not much hope for our Christian life. Tonight, this is the next thing he tells us to do. Another I and G word in verse 21, looking, looking, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I think that phrase is a little deeper than a casual reading of it. Before I get into other scriptures, I think that show us what that means. I, I just want you to first consider the first word of that commandment to us, looking, looking looking. Do You know, you and I control what we look at. Do you know when you are in this type of generation that Jude describes, when you live in the world that we live in, you do understand what you choose to look at will affect your life. And I'm not just talking about looking at pornography or looking at something evil on a screen. I'm talking about looking at All sorts of things in our generation. You know, if all we do is look at all of this that's described in Jude, what a depressing life. If all I can see are the Korahs and the Balaams and the Cain's And all I can see is Sodom and Gomorrah and all I can see is the failure of those Old Testament saints and the failure of the angels and all I can see are these creeps that are creeping in unawares and the people that are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and the sensualness. If all I look at is the mocking that goes on, if all I look at is the murmuring and the complaining, if that's what I, if I just see the shame and the wandering star and the blackness and the no fruit. I am going to be devastated as a Christian. And God says, that's not where I want you to look. I want you to be looking somewhere else. You know, guys, we can control where our eyes go. Maybe not where they fade, but we can bring them back to where they need to be. Anybody understand? Do you know in life, we have the control. We must make ourselves look at what God wants us to look at. If all you do is look at society, and, and that's, why, that's why I turned off the news a long time ago. If all you do is look at the news, you, 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 God help you. You're going to be an angry person <laughs> 24 hours a day. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad for the day I kicked the addiction of talk radio. (laughs) You know, I'm talking years and years ago. you, You know what I'm talking about. Years and years ago, that was the thing. Listen to the talk radio show. If all you do is see society, if all you hear about is problems, if all you can see is the apostasy of other people, If if we are looking at the failures of other people, if we are looking at the sins of other people, if we're looking at our own sins all the time, how depressing is that? If we we just look at our own failures, let alone the failures of other people, if we're looking at problems, you know what, We, we are tempted to always... We are tempted just to look at our problems. And that is not where He tells us to look. That's not where He wants my eyes. He doesn't want me to look at everything that's bad. He doesn't want me to look at the circumstances and the situation. It doesn't change it, but I don't have to keep my gaze on it. This is a hard message to preach because this is hard to put in practice because only you can do this. All these things in this text is only something you can do. God will not do it for you. You've got to focus your own eyes at what you look at. And do we not have a problem with that in our generation? We have a problem with these eyes at what we look at. and And it extends to the things we look at in life and how we view life. He says, I, that's not what I want you to look at. Well, what does he want us to look at? Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. He wants us to look with something about Jesus. Usually look in the Bible if you, if you study that out. It's God's instructions to the New Testament Christian when he tells us where to put our eyes. Usually it's always on Jesus. And it's always on the coming of Jesus. Let's just read a few verses. This is not a long message. It's just a long preacher, but not a long message. But Philippians chapter 3. I, I, want you, I want you to see this. Because you have got to make yourself look at the things God wants you to look at. Or it's going to affect your mind. It's going to affect your heart. What are you looking at? H- have you ever noticed? Y'all, y'all know what rubbernecking is? Yeah. Yeah. Y'all you know what that is? You'll be driving down the road. There's maybe it's not even a wreck. You know, I get so frustrated. You know, you, here's like an hour's worth of traffic, and then when you pass on the interstate, it's just like two or three pylons. that are fixing a pothole, but everybody going by it has to go. And so they can't travel the road normally like they need to travel because they have to, they have to look at something that isn't even in their business. It ain't even going to change their journey. But they got to know what's going on, especially if it's an accident. And don't tell me everybody's looking at that accident because they're concerned about the people. People are infatuated with blood and gore. Might as well admit it. I mean, that's what half of Hollywood is, is blood and gore. People like seeing all that. They like seeing the train wreck. There's something, there's something twisted in us. We want to know who's dead. We want to know how bad it is. And so instead of going where I'm supposed to go, I've got to look at something that's not going to help me, that I'm not involved in, that I can't even do anything about. But boy, I got it, let me see. And I'm slowing down on the path, and I'm slowing everybody else down behind me. Because I got to look at something that's sad. How's that? And God said, right here in the middle of apostasy, that's not what I want you to look at. That's not where I want your eyes. Philippians chapter 3, this is where God wants our eyes. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 of the Bible says, For our conversation is in heaven. Wow, what a a phrase. Boy, it does not seem like because I'm living down here. Our conversation is in heaven. Look, 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 watch it. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. You know, I I, I just read that just now and I just saw something I've never seen. For our conversation is in heaven. Conversation that's not just your words. Conversation also talks about your lifestyle. Our conversation is where? Look at the next word. That means I'm supposed to be looking from heaven into heaven. That's pretty wild. I've always preached that, hey man, we're down here on earth. We need to be looking up there from earth. And know what he said. He said, you're in heaven. Your conversation is in heaven. You are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And while you're up there in heaven, why don't you look around a while? Boy, I tell you what, a lot of our look's not from heaven and it's not to heaven. For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look what? For the Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking for Jesus. Now our text says looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a little twist, but it's headed to the same direction. We are looking to Jesus. We are looking at Jesus. We are looking for Jesus. We are expecting Him to return. Looking, that's an expectation. That's a gaze. That's that's my eye set on an event. I'm looking. For the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21. See how the context is the rapture? Who shall change. Thank God there's coming a change. Amen. Amen. He not only changed me on the inside when he saved me, but he's going to come back and change the rest one day. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Oh, what a promise. One of these days the Lord Jesus Christ is going to subdue everything to himself. He's coming again. He's going to change everything. He's going to change my own body. And the Bible says that's what you need to be looking at. Titus chapter 2. When he says looking so many times, it's to Jesus' return. And and what I'm hopefully by the grace of God as we look comparing Scripture with Scripture, that's what he's saying to us again in the book of Jude, just in a different way. Titus chapter 2. The Bible says in verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking at all the terrible, present, wicked world. we No, that's not what it says. Looking for that blessed hope. While we are in a world of worldly lusts, while we are in a present world that is totally broken. He wants us to be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the older saints did that pretty well. I don't think we do that very well. I remember growing up as a little boy in church, they'd sing those songs about heaven and the saints would rejoice. That didn't mean they didn't have problems, but boy, they were looking at another world. And their heart was warmed and their mind was comforted because they, they weren't just filled with the cares of this life. Their, their look, their gaze, their eyes were on another destination. He said in Hebrews chapter 9, look how many times that look is just to the coming of the Lord. Don't look at the train let wreck, look up in the clouds. Look up. The old preacher I used to work for poured water on his hands. He'd always say, Keep looking up, keep looking up. Quit looking down, keep looking up. Why? He's coming. Amen. That's where your gaze needs to be. That's where your eyes need to be faced. You said, Preacher, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I get it. So, just like, you know, you've got to make it real practical. So, guys, just like when that wicked, immodest woman walks by your eyeballs dressed inappropriately you have to say I'm not looking there (laughs) I'm not saying you can get out of the circumstances of life but I'm saying you don't have to look there you can say okay Lord looking to you (laughs) not going to look at that that's too troublesome that's too harmful for me Hebrews chapter 9 the Bible says this Hebrews chapter 9, look at it with me in verse number 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The instruction is to be looking for Him. Be living in the expectation that you could meet Him at any moment, that He could come in the clouds at any time. What does Hebrews chapter 12, just a couple pages over, say? We're in this great race, and we have verse number 1, waits on us and sins that beset us. And the race gets long and hard, but what does He say in verse 2? Looking unto Jesus. The author and finish of our faith, we have got to look to the Lord. we've got to look for the Lord. The Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter four, one of the great passages about our own mental health and getting through life the way we ought to, and the good Christian life. Without this perspective, we just won't get through this world. Second Corinthians 4:18. Well, we can just back up. (laughs) Verse 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Guys, if we could live right there, God help us. God help all of us. But too many times where we find ourselves, look look at Luke chapter 9. What we find ourselves, our gaze, Jesus warned us, Luke chapter 9. Get Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 21. Just to ask you tonight, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? You looking at the train wreck? You looking at the train wreck? Or are you looking to Jesus? I know it's hard. But you're in control of that and nobody can do that for you. Luke chapter 9 the Bible said, Jesus is talking here and he says, verse 62, Luke nine sixty-two. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and, what's that phrase? Looking back, Looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. God says, you know, you, you need to quit looking back. It's hard not to look back, isn't it? It's hard not to look back to see what could have been, what should have been, if I could only have. Doesn't help. Matter of fact, it hurts you. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, and you do know that's the guy that killed people. I'd say that'd be pretty hard to get out of your mind, Christians that you'd killed. And he tells us, I I think if he could tell us that, what he had to deal with, maybe I can forget some things in the rearview mirror. I don't think looking through the rear view mirror is a good way to drive your car. You can do it. You can drive backwards down the road with a rear view mirror. Especially with them, you know, them cameras and all them. But you know what I've always noticed? It ain't the same. You don't don't get there as, as good or as quick or as well. God, I don't want you driving in the rearview mirror. My mother's car, we, Joel and I, we, we talked, to, really, it was my brother's bigger idea about the model car. Joel just said, you know, and I can say this because she's not here Amen. She's probably listening, though. Hi, Mom. But anyway, <laughs> we said, we need to get Mom a car that sort of drives itself. <laughs> that car is annoying. I'll sit in that car, and it'll say, hello, Brent. It's got my eyes, you know. And I'll, yeah. Move my seat back. And then I'll be driving down the road, and it'll go ding, ding, ding. Put your eyes on the road. It will tell you to look at the road. It will not let you look this way and drive. Now, man, I'm used to driving with my leg. And you cannot drive her car that way. It will shut down. You have to look straight ahead on the road or you're not driving that Subaru. And it'll tell you. It'll also tell you if you're getting over in the lane, you know, out of the lane. And it'll push you back over. Boy, I wish God would do the Christian... No, I, I can't. Uh, But but that's not the way the Christian life is. But you know what the Lord says? He'll say, hey, hey, hey! Get your eyes on the road. Look straight ahead. Quit looking back. Guys, some people are plagued with that more than others because their past is so filled with heartache and destruction. But the principle is the same. You don't want to look back. You know why? You don't want to be Lot's wife. All she did was turn around and look back. Luke chapter 21. It's important where we look in the days of apostasy. It doesn't want us to look back. He says, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. He says, while we look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwell the righteous. That's 2 Peter chapter 3. He wants us to look at what's coming. He wants to look at what's ahead. Luke chapter 21. And sometimes, you know, the devil talks us into thinking there's nothing ahead. And it's just a dead end. But you know, that is not true for the people of God. If you're saved by the grace of God, everything ahead is so much better. Luke chapter 21, the Bible says, in verse number 25, and there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. It's all talking about the tribulation that's coming to the earth. And upon the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. What I'm interested in is verse 26. I understand the context, but I want you to see what happens to these people that are so overwhelmed during the tribulation. Verse 26. Men's hearts failing them for fear And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. It says the people of the tribulation, they are looking at the things that are coming on the earth and it destroys their heart. And the opposite for the children of God. We are not looking for the things coming on the earth. We're looking for the things coming up in heaven. Don't forget heaven. Please don't forget heaven while you journey through life if you're born again by the grace of God. Don't forget your home. Don't forget where you're going. Don't forget those songs in the sweet by and by. Don't forget that. So easy to forget that if you're looking in the wrong place. He says looking and then he says in our verse, If you go back to our text, he says, it's so important what you look at. He says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's already mentioned verse number two. These are saved people. Verse one, they're sanctified by God the Father, they're preserved in Jesus Christ. But verse two, he's wanting mercy. And peace and love to be multiplied to them. So here's what I want to say to you there are many different kinds of mercies. The Bible says, you, you, we've even sung that little song, I will sing of the mercies, they're plural, of the Lord forever. So there's more than one type of mercy that God has. And this mercy, I would submit to you, is a very specific mercy. The Bible talks about the manifold mercy of God. There are different layers to the mercies of God. They, they have different reasons for being there. So the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. There are so many different types of mercy. Here's what I want to say to you. So there's mercy for a lost sinner. That's a different type of mercy than mercy for someone that's a child of God. Does that make sense? The mercy that a lost person has. Usually, when the Bible refers to mercy, it just says the mercy of God. That's what it says here. It says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is spoken to saved people. This mercy is written to and for believers, to people that are already beloved of God. This is a prayer... For the people that have already received saving mercy, but they need a different type of mercy. It's the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ distinguished from the mercy of the Father. You'll read that many times in the New Testament. You'll read about mercy from God the Father and then you'll read it about from the Lord Jesus Christ. The mercy of God the Father has to do with the fact that we needed that to be saved by the the grace of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. That's not the mercy he's talking about. It's not God's mercy in the matter of salvation. We all know that not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. We were saved because of the mercy of God. God has mercy for people if they'll come to him by faith and receive his son. He says that in first Peter chapter one, verse number two. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ grace unto you and peace be multiplied verse 3 watch it blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead this is talking about our salvation God the Father had mercy on us as poor depraved sinners when we put our faith in Jesus Christ He had mercy on us and He birthed us again into His family that was by His mercy that's not the mercy that we're talking about here this is the mercy of God the Father in the matter of salvation I, I don't have to look for that I already have that what I need is I need as a child of God I need to be looking for the mercy of God in another way that's a very unusual phrase in the Bible to be honest with you Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you think about that? What does that mean? I said, preacher, that means we fail. Yeah. But if you compare scripture with scripture, it means something much more than that. Go to Second Timothy, and I think if you'll look at these verses, God will help us to understand in this day of apostasy what He's wanting us to look at. Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 2, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I want you to drop down to verse number 16. The Lord, I believe that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch it. The Lord give what? Mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, Well, what did he do? He didn't do anything bad. Well, why is Paul saying, Lord, give this man mercy? Watch it. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Watch this now. The Lord grant unto him that he may find what? Mercy of the Lord. What does that say? In that day. Whoa. Here Paul's praying. Lord, would you please give this man mercy in that day? Because, I mean, look what he's done. Look how he's... Now, Lord, please remember... To have mercy on my friend and brother Onesiphorus in that day. What's that about? Well, look at verse 12. Of the same chapter, look at verse number 12. What does Paul say? For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believe. Preached that this morning, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that what? Is that not the same phrase we just read? God is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. What day are you talking about? That this man needs mercy from Jesus, the Lord Jesus, in that day. Chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse number 8. Verse number 7. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. What does it say? At what? That day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. Paul's saying this. He's saying, I know there's coming a day. that I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I've fought a good fight, I'm praying that as I stand before him that day that he's going to find me faithful and that I'll have a well done and I'll get the crown and I'll get a good smile from the Lord. But this is what I know. When I stand before Jesus at his judgment seat, I'm going to need mercy. Guys, how much have we failed him? And Paul prays for his friend that did a good job. And he says, Lord, now that day, I know that day's coming and I know that he's going to have to give an account to you and I, and I know what you said about that, that, that every man may receive the things done in his body, whether, whatever he's done, whether it's good or bad. And I, I know you know all about it. You know all about his life. And you know all about his shortcomings. And you know all about his failures. But Lord, just please, listen to me. Would you give him mercy in that day? I don't think the judgment seat of Christ is the day where all the gifts are passed out. I don't think it's a birthday party. It's a judgment. And what I, listen, what I believe that God is trying to tell us in the book of Jude while you are living through a day of apostasy, You better be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ because one day you are going to stand before Him yourself and He knows everything about you. And instead of being consumed with all this down here, we better be consumed about looking at His eyeballs. And you're going to have to have mercy then. And your heart and your desire needs to be God. I need your mercy. I I, I don't merit anything. I deserve judgment. And just like I needed mercy when I got saved, I need mercy now. And I'm going to need mercy then. And instead of looking at the destruction of life, I need to be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what will help us today? If we would make every decision and live our lives In light of the fact that we will stand before God. And so many times we're looking at other people. And how they're going to stand before God. And that don't even have anything to do with you. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And you know what I'm going to need. And you know what you're going to need. You're going to need mercy. I don't care how good of... I'm not, I'm not talking... The judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment to determine whether you go to heaven or hell. The judgment seat of Christ is a determination of your life before the one that died for you. That's, that's what it is. You and the master. All right, give an account of your life. That'll help me in apostasy. Boy, well, I tell you what, if I was looking at the judgment seat... Hmm, I'd probably be a little bit more careful. Isn't that right? If I was looking at the judgment seat, oh, we're looking at this. And the Lord says, I tell you what I want you to look for. You better be looking for some mercy because you're going to need it when you stand before me. I'm glad he's a merciful God. You know what he said in that book? He said, seek and you'll find. You know, I'd say if you want mercy in that day, you can go looking for it. You can probably find it. He said, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus unto eternal life. What does that mean? Well, just simply put, I don't have time to go through all the verses. There's a part of you that doesn't have eternal life yet. Now, there's a part of you that does. I've got, you know, 20 verses here that says we have eternal life. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, eternal life is a present possession. But there's a part of you that's not going to live forever. And if you don't know that, you don't know very much about yourself. What you're sitting in right now is not living forever. It's not eternal. It's not even hardly a 100 years good. You are wearing out every day. Amen. But the Bible says this, when the Lord appears and when I stand before him, I'm I'm, going to need mercy when I stand before him. But you know what I'm going to also get? I'm going to get a body that is now changed from mortality to immortality. And I'll have a body like Him. And now I will have a body that's eternal. Not just in my heart and in my soul do I have eternal life, but on the outside I'm going to have eternal life. And He's saying, remember that day and be looking for that day because it will be unto eternal life. It will be a brand new body that never fades and never wears out and it's going to live forever. You you know, we need that when our bodies are decaying. You know, some people quit the race for the Lord just because it gets so hard in this body says you need to be looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life and when we hit that judgment seat not only will the body have eternal life but he talks about in mark 10 30 and in matthew 19 29 that we that have been faithful to him there will be an inheritance given to our eternal life. We need to be looking toward the other life that we're going to live forever with the Lord. And for a thousand years, he said, I'll give you these, this inheritance and I'll give you these cities if you'll be faithful to me. And if you'll live in light of my desire for your life and if you'll look toward that day, there's a whole nother life coming for you. Guys, this, if you're saved, this is not all there is, this is not, it's not even a warm up. He says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Not the life that you're living now, but the life that he'll have you live when you get your new body. I wonder tonight, church, what are you looking at? What are we looking at, really? And are we living in light of the mercy that we will need at the judgment seat of Christ when every one of us will give an account of ourselves.